Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Motherless Love Podcast. I am your host, Miss Nakia Monet, and I want to welcome you guys to the show tonight. We have a very, very, very special guest with us tonight. Her name is Dr. Chanel T. Smith, and I just can't wait to bring her on. Um, I really hope that you guys enjoyed the video. That video was created by none other than Summer Morgan. Um, the singer on the intro video is my girl, my girl, my girl, Belle Johnson. And the producer on it actually happens to be my nephew, Christopher. And I want to thank them because they really pulled that together. They really just uh, captured the vision that I would have for this podcast and sang it, uh, produced it, and then boom, created a whole entire video for it. So without further ado, we are going to bring on Dr. Chanel T. Smith right now. I want you guys to welcome her, please, and thank you. Hello. Hi, Nakia. Hi, Chanel. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much again for the invitation to be with you. Listen, I am just so happy to have you here with me because um, this is a very important topic to me. And, um, you know, the topic that we are discussing tonight is it's in the church. Yep. And our subtopic is road to healing, because although it's in the church, that doesn't mean that we don't we don't we don't have a path and, and a road to healing. Right. Um, right. And just because whatever happened in the church, outside the church, around the church, you know, surrounded by, you know, the church, it doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to walk a path of healing. And that's what we are here to talk about. We are just here to really talk about our path 
and how mm -hmm. we walk that path after we recognize and realize a situation, a traumatic experience uh, that could happen, you know, in our life. And it just right. so happens that based on our stories, it happened in, in the church. And it does not necessarily mean within the four walls of the church building, right? We, we understand right. that we are the church, right? We, the people are the church. So therefore, when we say it happened in the church, it does not mean a building. It means people. It means mm -hmm. places. It means things. That's what it means. It, it inhabits what, what basically what the building actually is supposed to represent, what the word church is supposed to represent. So I wanted to put that caveat out there because a lot of times people just think, you know, church means building. And no, no, we're not just talking about the building. Right. We're talking about the whole That's thing. That's right. Mm -hmm. So um, Dr. Chanel, why don't you introduce yourself <laughs> to the good people? Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Chanel T. Smith. I am a first and foremost, the child of God who is seeking and rebuilding my relationship with God. I am a wife to a wonderful husband and the mom of two beautiful black princes. I am also a full time professor of New Testament at Hartford Seminary in Connecticut. And I am also a doctoral strategist, so a doctoral coach for over eight years. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I'm also, well, not in that order, but I'm also an ordained elder, um, teaching elder in the PCUSA, so the Presbyterian Church. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. <laughs> Look, okay, doctor. <laughs> that is fine. That's PhD, okay? From a dot edu, I just had to throw that out from, there. From a dot edu. From a dot edu. That's PhD. Listen, you know what? Like to delve into your book. So, yeah. some of you guys might have seen that I put on Facebook that Dr. Chanel wrote a book, and the book is entitled "Touched: Four Survivors of Sexual Assault Like Me Who Have Been Hurt by Church Folk." Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, when I first saw that title, I said. Oh, okay. And as I read the book, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. and I began to understand like everything that you wrote. I, I began to really understand your truth. And I just want, I don't want you to go into detail surrounding the book because I do believe that everyone that is, that is, that is listening and or watching should definitely go purchase the book. It is available on Amazon, Amazon Kindle and paperback for you to purchase. Um, it is called, like I said, Touch by Dr. Chanel T. Smith. So I really think that it is important um, if you would like that you should actually purchase the book, but at a high level, can we just talk about what what caused you to actually write the book, you know, and just really at a high level surrounding like the yeah. book without giving up all the good details of the book so that people can go, they can go by and read the book. Yeah, well, first and foremost, as a scholar and author, I wrote the book because that's how I get my thoughts out. Mm -hmm. um, it started out as being just a, a cathartic ex exercise that my therapist said, you know, why don't you write it out on paper? And it wound up turning into a book. I got a publisher um, through Fortress Press, but I wanted to share my story of sounding the alarm so that other people, like you said, in the church, right? Those who believe in God without even a, a being a member of a congregation or those who were hurt by church leaders or assaulted by church folk, even if you believe in God, there's church folk, right? Mm -hmm. So that, um, they would have the courage um, to sound the alarm. 
but also so that the caregivers, those to whom we turn to help us, would know how to help us, right? right. So originally I was going to name the book, um, What Not to Say to Someone Who's Been Sexually Abused in the Church. But then I realized it was more than just um, giving people advice on how to um, negotiate that encounter, right? Mm -hmm. But also how to um, give encouragement to other fellow survivors to feel what they feel, for them to um, find their own path to healing and it's different from everyone, and it's not an overnight thing. I'm still in the process, so I just wanted people to um, to share my story, to have solidarity with other survivors, and to give people um, caregivers an insight as to what they can, and probably probably mostly some things that they shouldn't do when they are, you know, confronted with someone say, you know what, I need help. This happened to me. Right. Because there are do's and don'ts in, in conversation, right? Right. And a lot of times we don't even understand the do's and the don'ts within a conversation. Like I know for myself, when I started, when I chose to speak out about what happened to me, the response that I got from people was, well, what did you expect? Mm. Not that. Right. And I also didn't expect you to ask me that. Right. You know, and I think that in reading your book, I love how you wrote it because it's like you told it and then you said, and for caregivers, here's what you need to do. Okay. Yeah. Because that's important because as, as when you're a caregiver, you're a trusted person, you're a trusted party. So right. if I'm trusting you with this knowledge, if I'm trusting you with, 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 with this truth, then that means that you need to handle it with care. Right. And if you don't know how to handle it, say you don't know or yeah. I reached the edge of my ignorance or if you are a caregiver. Yeah, you like that, right? <laughs> if you if you are a caregiver who has your own trauma and you can't go there, say that. I have reached the edge of my ignorance. <laughs> Dot edu. Yeah, I'm learning Hello. from you too. <laughs> like. I have reached the edge of my ignorance. Therefore, I have no knowledge to give you on this. I have no information. I have no insight. I have no impartation. I have no wisdom. I have no nothing. I can't even, because I am nothing. just that ignorant. <laughs> oh, that just blessed my whole soul. I have reached the you know edge of my ignorance. Yes. Oh, I'm a, you know what? I'm going to tell that to somebody. You know, you've reached the edge of your ignorance. <laughs> And when I say it, I'm going to say, it. I'm going to sign that Dr. Chanel T. Smith. Oh my goodness. Well, I got it from a professor when I was going through school. So that, I think it, Dr. Ross Wagner said that in class and I wrote that down. Listen, that's a good one. I, <laughs> yeah. Y'all better coin that. I'm telling y'all, y'all, y'all better coin that and tell people when they have reached the edge of their ignorance. Okay. Cause that was that, you know what, that's going to carry me through this whole night. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all gotta forgive me because they just okay. really took me over. I'm like, oh, she said you have reached the edge of it. Whew. <laughs> Jesus, the boat. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all, because some people really do. No, and I, I'm laughing like this because it is so true. Pete, some people have really reached the edge of their ignorance because they literally have no clue on how to handle what happened to you. Right. And because they don't have a clue, it literally just it surpasses their ability to even not even sympathize, but even empathize with you. 
But the problem is when they don't acknowledge it. And then you tell me some dumb stuff. Right. And then, now, and then you trigger me to want to yeah. fight you because you just said something stupid to me. You know what I'm saying? Because right. it, like it, it, it can produce anger. And that's what people don't understand. If a person has gone through trauma, one of the worst things you can do is make them angry about their trauma because you just right. did something that didn't. Now, yeah, no, you're right. Now, mm -hmm. I will say that there are some people who um, they have good intentions, you know, but they backfire. They backfire. And so, yeah, it can go both ways. Still end in a negative result or consequence. But I do realize that some people have good intentions, but it just doesn't work. Their good intentions don't work. Therefore, it has fallen yeah. on uh, shaky ground. Right. Stony ground. Right. It ain't fertile. Right. And one of the main things um, I would say that at least for me, because even though, you know, first of all, I just want to make every let everyone know that this is my story. Right. I am not an expert on sexual trauma or sexual abuse. I'm an expert on my own experience. And so what um, what I wrote in terms of um, the things that people said to me may not bother any somebody else. Right. So when people started quoting scripture to me and they're like, because, you know, I'm, a, I'm ordained or whatever, I wasn't trying to hear it. That me was problematic either. for me. <laughs> Very much so, because I, I already know the word. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need you to regurgitate the word back to me. What I needed you to do was tell me I'm going to be OK. I'm, tell me something, something that would right. be comforting, something that will help me see that there is yet still hope for tomorrow. Right. But, and if you don't know what mm -hmm. to say, say, I'm sorry. That's I'm it. sorry you went through that. And then, right, just be quiet. But then I found that a lot of people um, who quote scripture as if, you know, I call it as a chapter in there called Christian Band-Aids, right? Where, <laughs> you know, they're, they're using it as if it's a Band-Aid. Like it's supposed to heal everything automatically. Oh, you didn't know it does? You better put the word and the blood on it. It's automatic. And the holy water? All of it. Mm -mm. Dip it when you let me tell you something. Go inside and dip your little finger, and that's it. You, you it's over. I wish it worked that way for me, but it didn't. It doesn't. You and me both, because the folks will try and oil you down, water you down, hold you down. He can mishunder you down, deliver you down, all this type of down. Tell you you broken. Tell you you bitter. Tell you you this. They, like they literally will put so much on you, and it, the one thing that they just don't understand is that. I'm not any of that. I'm just hurt. Right. I'm hurt and I'm in pain. Right. And you're not addressing my pain. Right. You're, you're addressing a symptom of my pain, but you're not addressing the actual pain. And I am hurt. This hurt me. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing that that I find that a lot of people just really did not understand. It hurt me. And it's OK for me to tell you that it hurt me. Like even for you, this hurt me. Right. And okay, I came to the realization and now I'm telling you this hurt me and you're trying to re-traumatize me and, and basically tell me that what hurt me shouldn't have hurt me basically. Or you should get over it because over God it is a healer, an immediate microwavable healer. You ain't know he was. See, someone literally said to me, <laughs> to somebody I sounded the alarm to, they said to me, well, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I said, okay, well, when I woke up this morning the joy. and yesterday morning and there was no joy, don't you know they turned around and said, well, you know, a thousand years to the Lord is like one day. To to a right. 
they went to another a whole another other scripture. Mm-hmm. Right, which they don't understand that it's just further it's further widening that gap between me and my relationship to God because now I'm questioning. Well, if that is true, then what did I do that I'm not feeling that kind of peace, that kind of um, healing? Right, immediate the healing. The peace that surpasses all understanding. As I'm walking through this trauma, right, I'm just supposed to magically feel at peace. But, you know, and and the thing about it is, is that we say the same thing of people that experience death. We do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Joy come weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Everything happens for a reason. God has a plan. Yeah. This must have been his will and his purpose. Needless to say, there's a baby and you trying to figure out why was that his will and his purpose. Right. You know, this this was a drive by. So that was the will and plan of God. But that's what we do. And like you said, Christian band-aids. That's a, this is that's a, we don't want to deal with the actual issue because we just want to quote scriptures all day and throw scriptures out at people without actually having to relate. Right. Now see, script saying scriptures is fine as long it as is. you are as long as you couple it with support, with care. Right? Follow through. Call me. How are you doing? Is there anything I can do? Don't just quote a scripture and then be gone as if, you know, go and be healed. No. Ain't that what Jesus told the... Um, <laughs> See, these people ain't Jesus. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Running around here telling people go and be healed. You know what I'm saying? See, yeah. And not realizing that you're not Jesus. You, right. don't, have, you don't have that ability. Right. Now, see, again, I'm glad you said that. I don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. But someone else might be stronger and strong enough in their faith where that is enough. But for me, it, it wasn't. It isn't. Well, we can't treat. I mean, if we re- truth be told, right? Because, you know, you're the New Testament doctoral <laughs> from the dot edu, right? <laughs> truth be told, right? If we look at how Jesus was not cookie cutter with all of his healings, mm-hmm. everybody healed differently. That's right. The one man he had to touch, what, three times? Another mm-hmm. one still couldn't see, but he told him, go walk. And as he walked, right? So when we truly study, and this is this is the problem that I have with a lot of people, we don't study. All we want to do is quote, but we don't actually take the time to dissect the actual word of God and and be able to apply it accurately to a person's life and to their story, to their truth, to what is actually happening. And contextual. Yeah. And it, but, and it really is, but we just want to yell stuff to people and you're not actually helping. And even the ones who, and, uh, and oftentimes I'm going to be honest, I am a person like I could take all of that. Right. And I'll suck it up because you know what? I'm like, you know what? I'm strong. I can do this. All right. Fine. Right. But everybody has a breaking point. Right. And I have reached my breaking point because for two years, I walked around with a mask on, acting like I was fine, and I was not fine. Mm-hmm. I was not okay. <laughs> you were simply making it look easy. That right? Wrote, you know, I wrote that down, right? Yeah, that, I wrote that good smile down. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simply, yeah. I hope y'all catch this. What we're saying, she said. <laughs> in, in the book, she has a chapter. It's called. It's called Smile, and what it means is, it means simply making it look easy. And that's what we are taught to do. 
So I'm going to smile. Yeah. And that's what makes people think that you got over it or it couldn't have been that bad or, you know, nothing really happened to you. Right. But you're just trying to get through your day. The day. Forget. Or the next moment. Hello, the hour, the mm -hmm. second without breaking. And okay. the truth of the matter is, is that I just threw myself into work. I said, you know, I got to work. Cause this ain't gonna ruin this ain't gonna ruin my career this ain't gonna ruin you know what i gotta work and literally bounce go to work yep and that's what we do we're taught that yes until i've noticed i gained about 20 pounds and i was like wait a minute this is off something, something <laughs> i'm missing something somewhere this is off somewhere i gotta i gotta figure this part out and once i figured that part out i was like okay i'm not as healed as i thought i was Hmm. And I need to roll this stuff back. And it literally took a friend of mine to come to me and for him to say, you need to cry. And here's my shoulder and you're going to let it out and I'm going to wipe your tears and you're going to be OK. Hmm. But you can't keep bottling this stuff on the inside of you because you're just you're just bottling it. You're bottling it. Right. And I literally cried. I don't even know for how long. Cry, girl. Mm hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way we have to express ourselves. That's why I always say, feel what you feel. Feel what you feel. You know, and I too went, um, when I wrote the book, I I couldn't go there for mm -hmm. too long. So I took two weeks and I outpoured everything. And I wrote this book in those two weeks because it brought me to such a dark place at the time and in such an emotional state that I knew that I could not take months to write this book, you know, and then come home to my family and then put a smile on and be okay. No, you know, but I too, um, since I published the book and it came out and then I left it alone, you know, I immersed myself right back into work. And then when I got your invitation and then I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> it's happening, it's happening again. <laughs> what is this feeling? Why am I so, you know, um, emotional you know it's like right back on i'm wearing it on my sleeve again instead of just tucking it somewhere right and that's the part that i think sometimes we feel people think that okay but you just be telling it mm -mm. yeah but it's taking me back to in order for me to tell it i gotta go back to that place because right. i can't i can't tell it from here Yes, it was, you know, I'm so grateful and was so blessed for colleagues because I could only write one draft of this. When I got all of my chapters done, like I would send it to my colleagues, each chapter, I send it to them, I said, I cannot go there again. And all I did when I got their feedback was, you know, do some proofread, you know, proofreading errors or something like that, or if they had one question, then I would deal with that. But otherwise I did not reread i could not reread it because it's every time you um tell your story or you resound the alarm you're taking the band-aid off right and although it may not hurt as if the first time you did it there's still residual hurt there's still residual emotions that you need to deal with it, yeah and it's it is not coincidental that we are talking right now because I I'm in the process of completing something and it has taken me much longer than I anticipated. And like you said, it's it's as if 
I need to purge it. Yeah. And not pick it back up. And y'all read it. Whatever little edit you think it needs, you fix it. That's right. <laughs> and then you tell me what you think. Right. Because you literally, you're literally reliving it as you're telling it, you know, and then it makes you remember certain things that you might not have necessarily remembered. That's right. That's mm -hmm. what got me. That's mm -hmm. what got me. <laughs> it was like you opened up, you opened up the box and now you're like, oh, snap. That's like, right. That and did then you get new understanding and revelation because you're looking at it now, kind of right. like in a third person, right? It's right. no longer you. It's wait a minute. How? Oh, and there was something else that you said, because oftentimes what we fail to realize is that when we begin to blame ourselves mm -hmm. and the, the, the resounding message in your book was it is not your fault. It is not your fault. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that right there just stood like, I promise you, I probably read that page over and over again, that it is not your fault part because I myself took on a lot of blame uh, for what happened to me. And when I read that part, I was like, it was like the Lord was just like, Okay, I need you to hear this because you've yeah. been blaming yourself for a lot and it is not your fault. I was telling myself that as I wrote it. And that's why you have an, I have it in all caps several oh. times in the chapter, you know, because we go through that. Like even when I was going through, I was like, you know, well, why wasn't I strong enough? Why didn't I think not to go there? Or, you know, why didn't I see the signs of, you know, this person was evil on the inside, you know, and whether you're a man, woman or, or they, whatever your pronoun is, you know, it could be, but you're strong, but you're a black belt, right? But you know what? You a man. You supposed you you all right? You know we supposed to like that stuff. You, no, it's not your fault. No matter what, you know, or you shouldn't. Wait, why'd you wear that? Or like you said, you know, somebody said, "What you? Th what did you expect would happen?" Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. No. I had people. People used to tell me they. People were so cruel, especially some of these little church folk. Well, you wanted to be a first lady. No, I did not. Let's let's get one thing clear about Nikia. Nikia's life pre-introduction uh, to the good black church had nothing to do with wanting to be nobody's first lady. Let's get that straight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like at right. all. That was not that was that that wasn't goals for me. That wasn't at all. You know, so for people to make that generalized wrong assumption, you know, and they do that to you because they then want to shame you. They want to guilt you. Right about the choices and the decisions that you made. Well, why didn't you see this? And you didn't know that and you didn't see this and you, and it's like, okay, I ignored that part. All right. Yep. What is your point? Um, yeah. And sometimes the people who do that, they are um, projecting what happened to them. And Ooh. that's how I, that's how I interpreted um, when I revisited this situation with a dear friend who said those same things to me. Right. And so the thing about the book, I had um, one of my dear friends, Reverend Dr. Shelley Best. Um, she's wonderful. Um, she told me, she said, you are a Bible scholar, right? When you have a, you take a, a text, a passage of a text, and then you exegete it, you interpret exegete it, you look at the, mm -hmm. everything. So that's exactly what 
she helped me see to do with my book. So the anecdote is, is, this, is my scripture, is my text. And then I exegete it, try to, like you said, look at it from like a third person or outside of it to see what could have happened, right? As I was telling my story, was she having flashbacks of her own trauma? Right now, I'm right. not saying that I was right in my interpretation, but that's that helped me to kind of make sense of why she could have treated me the way she did or responded to me. You know, it couldn't have been that bad. Hmm. You know, it <laughs> or, wasn't this. Right. Oh, I listen. Anytime you say at least stop, just stop, because in no way should you compare you anyone's trauma with your own it's not the same it's not the same there's no hierarchy of trauma you know what i mean it's not like oh well at least you didn't it wasn't by uh with a right. weapon or at least no mm -mm. it does not matter trauma is trauma not, yes and it happened to me mm -hmm. whether you believe it was a major or minor offense it still That's happened right. and you it know what truth. hello and let me say this. So as I was reading your truth, it came to me and I was like, oh, man. So when I went through the situation that I went through, a lawyer told me, he said, um, you know, there's a law out here. And I was like, okay. He was like, no, no, I need you to understand. And I was like, okay. He said, technically, what your ex did is sexual assault. And I was like, how? Hmm. He said, because according to the law, anytime you marry a woman due to fraud, that can be considered a sexual assault. Wow. And he literally showed it to me. He showed and I was and I and I read it. And there was a case in New Jersey where a woman actually did win. And he said to me, do you want to press charges? And I said, no. Mm. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. No, I can't relive that. And I think people need to understand law. And a lot of times these men in this church world do not understand the law. You and men in general, right? And people can look it up because it, it is it is a, it is a real law. It, and and it is a, it, at that it was this was last year sometime. Um, it, it was actually something that was going to be fought in Congress because they really wanted to make this it national. Like, no, these men can't keep getting away with sleeping with women under fraudulent terms and thinking that they can't get charged with sexual assault. Right. right? And I thought that was so. I can't even explain to you how I really felt when I read up on that. And I said, if I really wanted to view this that way, right? It's the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the truth that that would based on the law that is sexual assault. And as I was reading your story, it brought that back because I had forgot all about that, to be honest. I really I had forgot all about it. And as I was reading, I was like, you know how many women 
technically, truthfully have been sexually assaulted and we don't even know it. Right. Or even can't, don't want to, don't either, don't want to name it that or don't know to name it that. Right. So in the beginning, before I started going to therapy about it, I was like, you know, he touched me inappropriately. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to make it sound really nice, nice little package or whatever. No, no, that's not what happened. Name it. Name it. Right. Name it. But I also want to highlight something you just said too, Nakia, about your choice to say no about pressing charges. Right now, again, I'm not an expert, but I do believe that it is our choice, right? Whether or not we want to. Yep. And I, you know, there's some people that will totally disagree with me and they have that right as well. But I didn't because I was afraid. I was afraid there was already a threat like, oh, we can take this to court kind of thing. And of course, you know, I think, you know, I have to be the good church girl, right? The good girl, the one who always followed the rules. Who's going to believe you? He's a church leader. You know, he's been in the church for so many years and you just got, you just arrived, you know, hmm. who's going to believe me, right? So you have that fear factor as well. It's the truth. And you have the judgmental factor. I never, I did like, like an interview on um, another, um, like a live platform or whatever. And this lady literally attacked my whole character. She was like, she ain't a lady. I was like, I will find you and show you just how much of a lady I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Because how dare you attack my character like that? That's right. Us as women, we have to learn how not to do that. We love, we love to attack. Mm-hmm. We attack. I mean, even look at today. We're mad that Kamala Harris is the VP choice. And we're attacking this black woman. Mm-hmm. And we wonder why back in 1965 or whenever Malcolm X mm-hmm. said it, and he mm-hmm. said the black woman is the most disrespected woman right. in America. And this is why, you know, because, and it's not that we're just disrespected by others. We're even disrespected amongst ourselves. Right. And a huge percentage of women also are the ones who help perpetuate patriarchy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's just not the way things are done. And it's like, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? This is how I'm doing it. Right. Whether you like it or not. That's you know right. what I'm saying? I mean, even down to some of these women, they like because I miscarried on a Tuesday. The doctor scheduled DNC for that Friday. Ain't no doctor would do that. I'm a nurse. I know. Well, guess what? Clearly, you don't know as much as you think you know, because that's what happened. Right. Right. You can't change the truth based on what you think you know. Mm-hmm. And when you speak to other women that have miscarried, they're like. What doctors do this all the time. They schedule it unless unless it's a dire need for them to remove the baby right then and there. They actually schedule it or unless you're right there with you. It happened to me, too. Mine was scheduled. And I'm glad you're talking about it, too, because there's so much shame. I know this isn't the topic, but there's so much shame around miscarriage when it's so common. It is so common. And then people don't like talking about it. They don't like talking about it, like you said, because there's so there's such a shame and there's such a stigma surrounding miscarriage. But I got I got something for people because I you know 
uh, the good month of October is Angel Baby Month, and I'm going to talk about it. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. I'm going to talk about it because I'm tired of the stigma surrounding women and miscarriages. We, yes. We have lost something that we carried that was a part of us, whether we actually miscarried or whether we actually still birth, whether we actually, you know, gave birth and the baby died a few months later or whatever. Right. That child was a part of us and we should not be shamed into hiding the fact that this is what happened. Right. To us. Or or even the hierarchy between a natural vaginal birth or a C-section. C-section, right. Like, oh, you didn't, you didn't have a real birth. <laughs> what in the world? But it all goes back into the same thing, which is why we have to learn how not to be silenced. Right. Because there are so many things that we endure silently because we're told, be quiet about it. Don't talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you can't publicly say this. You know, right. don't write that on social media. And then you, right. it's like you get the 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 behind the back door commentary. Right. You're, you're attacking the church. No, I'm not. I'm I, I am not attacking well, anybody. I'm speaking truth. If if talking about sex wasn't taboo in the church from the get go, maybe somebody. Then said, I would. Hmm. Maybe they wouldn't be touching and feeling and all the foolery that they're doing. Really, you know, I really do think that if, if churches would talk, especially the quote unquote cultural contract of the black church would talk about sex as if, you know, and not just sex by marriage, but healthy sex, you're a grown person, right? If that can be something that is beautiful, ordained by God, then perhaps people would um, have be more strict about when it is um, taken advantage of. Right. But we don't want to talk about that. No. And then we don't want to, we don't want to talk about healthy sex. And then we also don't want to talk about unhealthy sex. The only sex we really want to talk about is fornication. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> not, yep. Look, not sexual assault, not sexual abuse, not sexual molestation, not, right. not, not any, just fornication as it relates to you sleeping mm -hmm. with so-and-so outside of marriage outside of marriage that's right really that's right we don't want to talk about more important things like how about bishop so-and-so just touched so-and-so pastor so-and-so just laid with 15 year old but everybody loved to condemn the good catholic church right. and talk about what's going on there but we don't right. want to talk about what's going on within our own four walls with our own pastors, leaders, pastors and, and clergy leaders and lay leaders, they're human. Hmm. They're human. They are not God. But at the same time, something that happened to me was the fact that the people that I went to um, sound the alarm to and also the person that assaulted me were church leaders. Right. So I grew up thinking they are extensions of God. If you're right. standing up there from the pulpit, which he still does. <laughs> right. And you're quoting scripture and you're preaching right or interpreting the word for the people then how how am i not supposed to see that god is using you and then you using me for something else hello those doors you know let's go back to this <laughs> because let me tell you something so i grew up catholic right we went to church on sundays for 45 minutes that was the highlight of my Sunday. 
45 minute mass. I was excited and happy about it. When I was younger, my mother, my mother and my grandmother, for whatever their reasoning was, honestly did not allow us to go to Baptist Pentecostal Apostolic Church. They didn't allow it at all. So when I, I must've been in high school, I had a friend and she used to go to a Baptist church and I went to the church with her for the first time ever. I was like, so excited. Like, yes, I get to go to a black church. Mm -hmm. This is wonderful to me. And we went to the good old Baptist church and I was like, oh my God, they actually play real music, right? Mm-hmm. Then we went to Georgia one time and my aunt took me to a revival. I didn't know what was going on at this good revival. <laughs> Folks was falling out. I was just like, I'm a kid. So I'm like, what in the world? I know what was going on, right? But it was always something that was intriguing to me. But I was raised Catholic and you know, we were told we 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 could not, we could not. So when I became an adult, I started going to the good black church because I was just like, I'm not going. I, and I told my grandmother, I said, well, due respect, I'm not going back to the Catholic church. She was like, wow, I was like, because I just I don't feel anything when I go there and I'm not going back. So I like this is where I'm going to go. Boom. So. As I began going to church. Black church. Mm-hmm. I could not understand what in the world was going on. I was used to going to church 45 minutes, coming home. Now I'm in here four, five, six hours on a good Sunday. <laughs> but I'm being conditioned, right? I'm being conditioned to the fact that this is what we do. We reserve this day for the Lord. So I'm like, yes, right. everything is reserved unto God. This is what we do. And I kid you not, I was like at church like all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. To the point where my sister really was like, you're in a cult. And I was like, oh, Satan, get thee behind. Like I really called uh-huh. my sister the devil and everything. She, she could vouch for it. I really did call her the devil and everything. Jumped out her car while it was still moving. I was like, no, I cannot be next to you. You are a uh-huh. witch. How dare you come against my church? Like all of that, all, all of that stuff that, that you're taught. Right. And then I began to be attacked and judged in the place that I thought was supposed to be a place of healing, a place of hope, a place of love, a place of joy, a house of prayer, you know, and you you begin to be attacked in this house that's supposed to resemble God in all of his goodness. His glory is supposed to reside in the house. Hmm. And then I'm looking at leaders and I'm saying, you're not helping me. You're actually partaking in the hurt of me. So now I'm looking at God and I'm saying, well, if this is who you employ, I don't even know if I want to serve you. Because if these are your employees, right? How do you employ such garbage in your house? They said this is yours. Hmm. Now, if I'm in your house, let's think of it. And I had to put things in practical terms, right? If I come to your house and I get attacked in your house and you don't do anything to stop that attack, but then you participate in the attack, who house am I going to? Am I ever going back to your house? Right. And you hit something. Oh, go ahead and finish. Go ahead, girl. I was saying you hit something, um, something you said came to me when you said, you know, God employed these people, 
right? And it makes me think of all of the polity or the, the processes that people go through to be ordained, hmm. right? And these psych evaluations that we have to go to, depending on your denomination or whatever the governing bodies are, yeah. right? circuit of churches. I don't think they put nobody through nothing. You know, but listen, I'm part of the Presbyterian Church and we have a lot of, you know, rules and order and everything, but it does not prevent people <laughs> from doing ill things, wrong things, whether they are a layperson or the head of the church. You know, but and you I, know I asked, and I still don't have a real answer for this, but I did I asked the Lord one day and then I asked I asked my old bishop. When I first joined his church, I asked him, I said, can I ask you something? He said, sure. I said, okay. I said, if the disciples in the Bible had to go through a process to become apostles, right? Because if we study it, they went through a process, right? They, they went through a series of testing. They went through a series of trials. They went through a series of testing their faith, right? They went through a series of literally testing their belief right? Mm -hmm. I said, why is it that you have leaders in the church today that are no better than the lay members? Well, you know, the disciples got it wrong most of the time anyway, depending on which gospel you you reading. But yeah, you're right. And but you also have to think about who's training these people. Right? It is traditions that are passed on. Right. And even if the, there might be nothing wrong with the traditions, traditions can be good, but we they're still <laughs> bad there's people who do bad things. Right. Within their traditional upbringing right. of self. And right. it could be, like you said, all because I, I do believe that all tradition definitely is not bad. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, you know, all leaders are, tech, are not bad. You know what I'm saying? But you have, it's like, you know, like they say, you have that one bad apple that, that spoils the bunch, right? And you have, when you have such a group of people that begin to operate in such error and you're hurting people mm-hmm. and there's no real healing that comes after the hurt because everyone whom they have trained under them only understand hurt. So right. you then have people that stay in a cycle of hurt and who's there to deliver them. And then they, they went, and you know, and the truth of the matter is when you stay in a cycle of hurt, you lose hope. Right. And without hope, you don't even have faith. So it's like we cause this this ripple effect and don't even fully understand and see what we're actually doing. Right. And a lot of people aren't trained. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. They don't know how to do it. Like you said, we don't know who trained these folks because the truth of the matter, like, let me say that, like, when I went through my situation, I went to the person that licensed my uh, ex-husband and he, oh, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Did absolutely nothing. You got to acknowledge it first. <laughs> if they're not acknowledging it, then there's no, there's no need for the training for it. Did nothing. I said, so you have a bishop under you at that, now at that time, I said, whom is legally married to three women in three different states and you don't see that there's something wrong with that. Wow. And you're telling me that there's nothing you can do. Bishop. 
I said, I'm about to call all y'all by y'all first names because I have no respect for none of your little titles. I have no respect for your little positions because clearly you don't even walk worthy of the vocation of your calling. You don't walk worthy of it to even be called that because how dare you? Right. And even if you don't know, find out, find out. And that's what I talk about in the book is like a lot of um, church leaders don't know how to respond, don't know what to say. There are no protocols in order. Right. And I had somebody tell me, well, if the person who assaulted you is also a member of the church, how can the pastor choose sides? There has to, right. There has to be some type of protocols or rules or um, something in place, even if it hasn't happened in your church yet or in your faith community yet. It's happening. No one's talking about it, but figure out what to do when it does or when it comes to light. Uh how about we stand on the side of righteousness and holiness? Mm. I mean, it's in the book. I, right. Right. Okay. And then the same person was like, well, if she, why does she have to believe you and not believe him? Oh yeah. I went through. Uh, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why I really, really urge faith traditions and individuals that wrote it for, you know, you don't even have to be in a church or a church leader. Just find out what to do. Find where, out where the resources are in your community so that you can take somebody there who needs to go or to at least learn how to just be a listener, a good listener and ask somebody, what do you need? What can I do? Mm. You know, I'm... I get disgusted for the simple fact that we have an entire Me Too movement, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how, how do we as a belief system, right? How do we as believers, how do we as ones who say we walk with God, ones who say we believe in his son, how do we then look at his daughter and say, well, how do we know who to believe? Where's, what does my fruit say? What, 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 what does my integrity say? What does my morality say? Mm -hmm. um, what have I shown you? Right. Right. So, and, and so for me, it's like, you mean to tell like, okay. So you want to take that angle of it because you refuse, you, Truth be told, you just literally refuse to do anything. Right. So that's just the real truth. The truth is you literally refuse to do anything. You refuse to say anything because you're actually uncomfortable, because mm -hmm. you're actually fearful of the reaction that you're actually going to get if you actually stood up for what's good and what is right. Right. And that's my issue. My issue is, is that people act like they are so afraid to stand up for what is good and what is right. But behind the scenes, you want to tell me I'm rooting for you. But in in in, in on the front lines, you're not there. You don't show right. up. Right. Okay. You want to inbox message me. You want to text me. You want to do all of that stuff privately. Cry in your face with you. Publicly, you have nothing to say. Mm -hmm. Publicly, you have no encouragement. And even, let me say this. Because for me, there were many witnesses, many, many witnesses. Publicly, you said nothing. 
privately you acknowledge. And to me, I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? You know, but be, and I think because I wasn't I wasn't raised in the church structure like that. So it didn't like how you said what might affect others. What might have affected you might not affect others. So a right. lot of that stuff didn't necessarily affect me because I just chalked it up to you're not even real. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to another person that could deeply hurt them. Right. Right. Because for their in, in for, for how they believe, like you said, you're like the direct extension of God. You took yes. technically you teach me that you're his mouthpiece. Do you not? Right. And that go ahead. As the mouthpiece, I would believe that if and that was the thing that got me because I, I I'm like, as his mouthpiece, you have the audacity to hurt me. Like, as I was reading through your story, I'm like, as the mouthpiece of God, the so-called right. prophet of God, the so-called one whom he trusts. Which is why in order for me to repair my relationship with God, I had to dissolve and unlearn that. Right. Bingo. Because right. that right there, that keeps people bound. Mm -hmm. Okay. I had... In two, I literally, I took a break from church, right? I had to take a break. I couldn't do it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Because you need that break. Because I said, I cannot heal in the place that hurt me. And yeah. it's not signifying the building. I'm literally talking about the people. Mm -hmm. And I could not be around that mentality. I could not be around that fakeness. I couldn't be around that phoniness. I couldn't be, I, I literally had to separate myself from it all. And right. then say, okay, God, I need you to do whatever outpouring you're going to do. Because now I got to be built back up. Right. But when I get, when I get this built, build up, I need to be built back up differently because I don't want to come out of this the same way. Yes. That's right. And that's the journey. At least that's my journey towards healing. Right. I had to um, unlearn a lot of things about not being the good girl in church or, you know, toting that straight line. Don't veer to the left or to the right, but just do what is required of you and what's expected of you. Right. And then I also had to um, unlearn a lot of bad theology. Like, you know, if I don't do things a certain way or when someone said, you know, the Lord gave me a word for you and the Lord spoke to me and said that you should. God can't talk to me, God's self, you know, no. but I'm learning all of that. How I'm shall, you, that and, how shall uh, you hear? Let, at least there's a prophet. What? Right. What the scripture right. says? Oh, okay. And so now it's more so of just give me that childlike, childlike faith, like of my kids, you know, like, you know, he, it's um, lightning outside. And he's like, did God just take a picture? You know, or just looking at nature or, you know, getting back to um, the roots of my faith, where that mm -hmm. first love started. You know, that's where I am. And, you know, trying to get back into reading the word because everything that was associated with God and the church was stained negatively, was just impure for me. I didn't want to touch anything. I don't want to hear gospel music. I don't want to hear, listen to any scripture. I don't want to talk to anybody who has reverend or anything behind a name. No, because it was dirty. 
it was dirty. And so I had to um, release myself from that, redefine um, and reimagine what God and faith is in my relationship with God and let it not be contingent upon how he's represented by other people within the church, right. lay leaders or clergy what people. Whoever. Right. And that, that, that right there was, you know, and like you said, that is the road to healing, right? Um, for me, that was, that, that was, and is still my road, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? To healing. Um, yeah. because I had, I had to learn, I tell people, I, I literally had to learn how to trust my own voice again. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you, when you fall into a situation such as a traumatic situation, sometimes you don't even trust your own instinct. You don't even trust your own right. gut because you feel right. that your gut failed you. Right. And I had to, and still am, learning how to trust Nakia. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, Nakia, that, no, that's good. That's a good, you know, okay, go ahead. Okay. And yep. even some things like I, I have a few trusted people that are around me that I will literally bounce things off of just to make sure like, does that make sense to you? You know, whereas before I'm just shooting like, boom, 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 I'm going. Yes. I don't want to like, in my mind, I can't afford another fall like how I fell. Right. So learning how to retrust your voice. You're right. And, and I'm glad we we're talking about a path to healing because I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. Every time some every time we're triggered or something, it's like you're starting almost back over. Maybe not from ground zero, but close enough. Let me right? tell you something. An emotional tr- people do not fully understand emotional triggers and, and what can trigger you, right? And a lot of times um when people don't understand it, unbe- unbeknownst to them, it's a trigger. Cause you know it because you feel like I know it because I could feel it. Right. They might not know that that's a trigger for me. Right. Like I, I have a very big issue with inconsistency. That is an emotional trigger for me, point mm-hmm. blank, period. Mm-hmm. And if you switch up, people that switch up, I can't, I can't get with you. Right. And it's an emotional trigger because that's what he did. Everything was a freaking yo-yo. Everything was like a, what the, what was that? A, a seesaw up, down. Yeah. Up. Nothing yeah. ever was level. Nothing ever was just coasting. Nothing ever was just smooth. No, nothing. Everything was up and down, up and down, up and down. Here's the yo-yo. Throw it out, pull it back in. Throw Bring it, it out, pull it back in. Throw it out, pull it back. Or um, the darn slinky. Just whoop, whoop, <laughs> yes. whoop, whoop. That's how it was. You know what I'm saying? And I get extremely triggered by that, but I learned something, right? Because I had to learn how not to project that trigger off on other people. I had to recognize it as a trigger and and figure out a way of how to handle it and how to deal with it so that it won't, like each time it happens, the effect is less and less. Mm Mm-hmm of that emotional trigger. But that just happens to be one of my biggest triggers. I can't, I, I and that lying stuff, but I don't like liars anyway. <laughs> I never did like a liar, but lie to me if you want to, and your lie would probably get knocked out or something. Cause I can't, I can't, I'm just so with this whole living in truth, being in truth, honoring truth, just be truthful. I, no matter 
how I might feel, no matter what I might think, just tell the truth. So help us all God. And so that we can all be free. But those tri right. triggers are very, very important because we have to recognize our own triggers. Right. And it doesn't have to be something that's um, stemming from something traumatic. It could be something innocent. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I was went for a you know, annual, you know, routine checkup at the doctor's office and she had um, I have a black physician and she had a black intern, a black male intern who, you know, for the sake of medicine, you know, we're going to do an EKG. Do you mind if he does it? Well, what does that entail? Hello. And then when she explained, mm -hmm, I said, no, I'm sorry. No. Now, prior to that incident happening, would have been okay. I'm all for it. But then I also explained to the gentleman, you know, you have to understand that there are, you are going to come in this field, you are going to come into contact with people who have suffered a trauma where they don't want to be touched by another male or yep. someone else. Yep. So it can be very innocent. I had to turn my fan on because this good uh, lighting system that's going on here. I oh, I got mine. <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling like I'm having a flash, and I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even at that age for flashes over here. Oh, about to die! Like, I said, oh wait, a minute, I got to grab this fan. But no, but that's true. You know what? So I'm not sort of talk about this openly. Only people that are very close to me know this, but. I never could call it rape, right? And I never could call it rape because I never, it didn't start off that way, right? But towards the middle, it got very aggressive um, to the point where I pulled away and said no. And the guy said that he thought that my no meant yes and go even harder and even it was it was that that was a very uh traumatic experience right yeah and um th that happened like back in like two it was it happened in 2008 and i always have told people i was like i never can call that rape but that experience was was very rough and at that time i had a male doctor and i had to go to the doctor and um, he said, uh, the doctor was like, what happened? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. But he said, well, your insides are torn. Like literally torn. And he was like, um, you're going to need an antibiotic because we don't want to, you know, cause any infection. This, that, and the third level, blah, 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 blah. And I never figured because I, I, I had called my sister after that. And I was like, and I was crying or whatever. And I was like, I can't call it rape, but that's what it felt like. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what it felt like. And um, like after that, I didn't want to be touched by a man. I didn't want to be touched by nobody. And I didn't trust people. You know what I'm saying? So anything that remotely, if you were remotely overly aggressive, I couldn't deal with it. Like even just in like even a person being aggressive in their conversation, I couldn't do it. I, I was shut down and be like, nope, done, shut down. It's a wrap. Not not I'm not discussing this. I'm not talking. And those are triggers. And I um I had to process through all of that. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? To the point where even I was thrown back. <laughs> it was thrown back up in my face. I thought it was kind of funny uh, after the fact because I mean, at the time I was highly offended. But um, when it was thrown back up in my face and I was like, I can't call that rape. I was like, but that's what that felt like. And you have the audacity to throw that in my face. Like, how dare you? How dare you take a truth that I shared with you and then you think that it's okay for you to throw it in my face? And that's where, that's why I loved your book and how you wrote notes to caregivers. Because if a person trusts you with their truth, with the truth of their life, you got to honor that trust. Right. And know how, if, like you said, if you can't handle that trust, if that trust triggers you, if that trust might cause you one day when you get mad and you throw and you want to throw it back up in their face, then you're you're not a caregiver. You're not the right person for that job, and you need to be right. open and mm -hmm, open and honest with yourself to say, "I'm not a caregiver." There are certain things I know for a fact I cannot help people with, and one of those biggest things that I cannot help people with is people that suffer from mental illness. There is a big difference between mental illness and you just having a bad day. Right. I can help you through a bad day. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when you actually truthfully suffer from a mental illness, yes, schizophrenia, bipolar depression, stuff like that, that is for these good licensed clinical therapists to help. That's right. And to, to, to see you through. I'm not that, you yes. know? And I, I like, you know, at one point in time, uh, you know, someone that came in my inbox, they asked me a question. They were like, what should I do? I was like, you need to go seek a therapist. Cause I'm I say that all the time. Yes. <laughs> yep. My and I always, I'm a big proponent of therapy. Look, I ain't got, yeah. I don't have ph.d from the <laughs> .edu. I don't have that part. Well, I got that, but I'm still not nobody's therapist. <laughs> You know, but I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, there's also a big stigma about around going to therapy, you know, but I am a big um, supporter of therapists because when you go to therapy, it doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means you're trying to remain strong, get the help that you need. And anybody that tell you, well, you don't need therapy. You just got Jesus. Jesus gave, you know, equipped people with gifts. Hello. And he gave me talents to go get, seek out your gift because yeah. I might need that gift. I, I, I'm all for therapy. I just believe that you got to find the right one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been through several. Hello. So one of them, I'm opening up my mouth and she turned around and started telling me her story. I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> no. Like ma'am, do I need to help you? Are you here to help me? Which, which, you know what? Right, but just don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep searching. That, you know what? She was like, let me tell you how I made it through. She was like... It wasn't even that. It oh. wasn't even no helpful tips. It was just like, you know what? Oh, that happened to me too. Let me tell you. Now I'm... You processing it. She, and she telling. Right. <laughs> you know... So me and a good ex, we went to the good marriage counselor, honey, where they had a the licensed therapist in it because they had a licensed therapist in it. I was listening to all that stuff or whatever. I think she turned me off to therapy. 
I, I might, I, I might, I might one day find another one, but she turned me all the way off. Cause I, I but I did, I told her after the fact though, I definitely did tell her after the fact when she called me talking about you owe me money. And I was like, I don't owe you anything. And I, I let it, I let, I let it be known why I don't owe her anything. You want to know why? Cause everything I told you that was happening was really happening. And y'all sat up there and tried to do use some little reverse psychology on me and make me feel like I'm, uh, what are I had low self-esteem and trust issues. So the devil is a lie. I know what the heck I feel. I know what I'm seeing. So no, but I told her I was like, because she was like Christian. She was a, supposed to be like a Christian counselor, whatever the case may be. And I thought that would be good. You know what I'm saying? But I told her I said, y'all focus so much on this church stuff because he's a little bishop. I said, but I'm dealing with a man. I'm not dealing with a bishop, ma'am. Right. right. Like I'm dealing with a person that that got issues. So I need you to help me, and you don't even want to help because you sitting up here. Right. These titles are church. These titles are just indicative of what we do, what we've been licensed to do. It is not reflective of exactly who we are Hello. and our character. And some of them, you know, brother, let me not go there with these folks in their character <laughs> and what they don't reflect. But they don't, they know they don't reflect it. And that's the problem. You know what? Man, let me say this. God had to deal with me with that because I was, you know, the Bible says, it's all right to be angry, but sin not. But I was. I was I was close to the good sin part of the anger, right? And God had to show me, and He literally had to tell me, "Listen, y'all the ones that employ these people. I don't. Mm. You keep them in your little pulpits. You keep them on the stages. You keep them at them conferences. You keep them on the prayer calls. You keep all these out of order people. Y'all keep calling on them." That's why they show up. I haven't even called right. them. Right. I, I haven't even spoken to half of them. How Which I'm, is why it's important to separate. When the Lord showed me that, that was when I learned the separation of the two. That's why people, oftentimes people get on me because they, they get mad because I call it the chitlin circuit. But I do call it that. They are, the, <laughs> they are, they are two <laughs> different types. You got the chitlin circuit. Then you got the church. Chitlin circuit is full of mess, garbage, and they stink. The ch- and it's different, right? Because we we understand that people are gonna come into the church and they're gonna be, oh, you know, you filthy rag, and you know, God's gonna turn you, and make you white as the-. all that, all that, all that. I'm not, but that's not what I'm talking about. What mm-hmm. I'm talking about is the ones that truly, when you messy like that and you stink like that, you you literally have no, uh, you, you are extremely immoral. Uh, you extremely you you suffer from an extreme measure of bad character um to to, to damn near no character at all mm-hmm. like that's what i'm referring to not like okay you came to church with issues no this goes way beyond an issue this right. goes to the this goes to the root of your heart your heart is impure so therefore you're the chilling circuit so that's what they get called mm-hmm. and then we <laughs> That's what they get called, and they get mad. And I'll be like, and I don't even care that you're mad that you're the chitlin circuit. Change your heart, Pharaoh. There you go. Hello, you got you yet got time. Yeah, he, he ain't giving up on you yet. However, I mean, but you know what? I you know I think about that sometimes because you know the Bible is very clear. So sometimes um, I do believe that sometimes half them can't receive nothing because God has already hardened their heart to receive anything anyway, which is why they don't change, which is why wow. you are the chitlin circuit. And that's why I call you stay that way, you know, and y'all little chitlin circuit preachers, y'all can get mad all y'all want, but y'all are definitely the chitlin circuit. 
because your heart has been hard and you don't change, you don't do anything. And 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 it is what it is. But the people keep y'all in service, so they like being part of the chilling circuit. So that's why y'all get your little twos infused and, and you keep it moving. But when I talk about the church, right? The church, the church of God, the church that 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 resembles him, the church that literally pours out, the church that reaches back, the church that literally cares, the church that actually nurtures, the church yes. that the church that will literally see that you are hurting and actually say, let me love you to life. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're in that hurt place, you don't see life. And mm -hmm. I had to find that. And that's one, one of my friends, her name is Shanae. She was like, Nikki, I want you to come to this fellowship. And I was like, no. She was like, Nikki, come to the fellowship. I was like, oh, okay, I'll get there. It took me good about a month or two to get there. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I really had to, pro like, I would literally wake up, get dressed and be like, I'm not going anywhere. I would then wake up, get dressed, and be like, I'm not going anywhere. But I had I had to I had to process all of that to be able to go. And I kid you not, like Pastor Princeton and his wife and everybody there that was at the at the Good Fellowship, Shanae and her husband, like when I tell you like the love that they gave, right? Because when you see that a person is just really just in pain. Yeah. You know, when they're hurting, one of the be best things you could give them is love and to feel that genuine, non-judgmental love. That was exactly what I needed. Right. Because right. that, you know, that's why people, you know, what that, that song, but that song say love lifted me. That love, mm -hmm. right? That had mm -hmm. to, because mm -hmm. I had to literally be lifted up out of where I was at, that pain, that, that hurt, that being disgruntled that just being angry that you know what i'm saying but then it empowered me and then you know the lord blessed me with like a literally a, a tribe of sisters where you know we actually came together and we wrote the book and with the fearless storyteller with the fearless storyteller movement and then the lord you know he just began to do so many different things to say we need to people don't understand love and when the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, it ain't just talking about the sin that you commit. Right. It's been talking about ones that's literally in your heart. In your anger, heart. technically anger, when you say, okay, it's okay to be angry, but sin not, but sometimes that anger causes you to sin. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you have these little thoughts. I might not have acted upon my good thought, but it was there. That's right. Mm -hmm. I might have wanted to slap a hoe. It was there. <laughs> Yes, the thought was there, and you know, and 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 that 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 right there. And so when you begin to really feel that level of love, you know what I'm saying? It just literally, it just it it opens you up to the to hope. Yes, it opens you up to have faith. It opens you up to even God again, to where you begin to have a more intimate relationship with Him, where you can actually hear Him and you can speak to Him, and He'll speak to you. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I tell you the truth, like how you said, I'm still walking out this healing. I'm not there. That's right, not there. I am not there. I am still. I'm, I'm, I'm walking it out, and I'm enjoying the process of walking it out. You know what I'm saying? Because that, that, that was important to me. That's right. It's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And there will be setbacks too, but you just keep going. Sure will be. But what do you say to pe people that say, well, the first step of healing is forgiveness and you got to forgive the person and then forgive yourself. Oh, there you go. I haven't forgiven yet. I haven't. 
and I don't know when I will. I don't know if I will. And I'm very explicit about that in the book too. I know I don't claim to have made it, to have um, gotten a hundred percent healed, to be, you know, to, to be, you have to forgive yourself in order to move on. I, I just don't get that because I haven't been able to forgive. And I don't know if it's because I'm just engrossed in the way my life is right now with focusing on people who love me and my family and my job and my business. But I just, he's like a negative factor right now. Hello. And so I have to let God deal with that because <laughs> I'm not there yet. And I may never get there. And people say, oh, you got to forgive if you're a Christian, you know what, then you know what, God is still working on me. But I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Sure. I'm going to keep working on my relationship with God, taking a moment every day as I can, getting closer to God. And I'm not going to worry about that. And when God sees fit to help me, if God so chooses to forgive that person, then perhaps I will. But right now, I'm not there. I like the freedom in what you just said. Because what I find is, is that when we tell people, well, you're not healed unless you forgive, we're, we're, we're binding them. And I don't think that we understand that we have just literally placed them in bondage. Right. Because and, you are connecting them to the trauma, to the person who did. And it's like, oh, you have to release that per or forgive that person in order to move on from your trauma. No, there's other ways. I really believe there's other avenues that you can go to your path of healing. And for me right now, forgiveness has not been a part of that. I had to forgive myself for telling myself, you know, what could I have done differently? Because mm -hmm. it wasn't my fault. That's not the only part of forgiveness that I've accepted myself, putting myself through the self-doubt and um, making, it seem, making excuses for myself. Like, what, why didn't I see it happening? Why didn't I stop it before, you know, while it was happening? Why couldn't I see that he was, um, what do you call it? You know, um, warming me up kind of like, oh, let's, let's go to this place or let me buy you this. or let's, you know, because he was the close friend, you know, of the family. Why couldn't I see the signs? That's what I forgave myself for. I had to forgive myself for that. But in terms of him, I'm not, no, absolutely not. Not there yet. I don't know if I ever will be. And that's all right. I like that. Absolutely not. <laughs> My mother gets a kick out of when I say that phrase, but yeah. Mm -mm. Like, no. Mm -mm. That went in the good edge of ignorance. <laughs> that edge of ignorance. I'm going to use that. I'm a time like, you know what? You're on the edge of, it, of ignorance right now. You have reached your edge of ignorance. Oh. Don't go over that edge because at that right? point, there's no coming back. From right. your ignorance. That's right. That's gonna bless. You know, but I can't wait to say that to somebody. And I'm gonna say, and you know what? And I'm I I'm gonna say it on a good social media when someone comments on one of my good posts with something <laughs> very ignorant. Ignorance. Like, you know what? You're on yeah. the edge of your ignorance. And I mm -hmm. suggest you carry yourself back over that line before you right. fall over it. Because once you fall over it, there's no coming there's back. No you, coming back. You'll yeah. never have knowledge or wisdom after that. Point blank, period. The end. <laughs> period with a T. Period. Okay. All of that. You're not coming back. You're yet still dumb. 
You know what? That's what it is. When you go over the edge of ignorance, you're just dumb at that point. That's when you become dumb oh. and stupid. Like you're just no, no, no. Because see, ignorance, I, I, you're just unknowing. So therefore, you you have no knowledge of. So you you can actually come back from that. But once you go over the edge of ignorance, you're just dumb. So therefore, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna bless. I can't wait to use it. <laughs> I'm just gonna be so upset. I just so excited. No, but. <sighs> that's going to bless somebody. <sighs> I love your road to healing. Thank you. Just keep praying for me, please. <laughs> I am, because, but it's refreshing because at the end of the day, like we just said, we can't blame ourselves. Mm -mm. And I don't have to forgive you yet. Right. Right. God, well, the Lord, God forgave you. God, I'm not him. Stop it. Mm -mm. God, watch what you say. God, well, you're supposed to be Christ-like. Like, likeness does not mean same and equal. It just says like. That's right. Therefore, I strive every day, but that doesn't mean that I have to forgive you for what you did to me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I have to exonerate you. Well, the Lord exonerated you. He threw all your sins in the sea of forgetfulness to be. The Lord has that sea. I don't have that sea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. See how we can quote scripture all day. Mm -hmm. We can do this all day. Mm -hmm. For both sides. Hello. Yep. But the Lord has that sea. So let God be God and let me be me. That's right. That's right. Listen here. Rick Ross said it best. Gives, I don't. He said, I don't. <laughs> and folks, and people got mad at that, but God got to be God. Let God do that and let God work yes. on my heart to where it is repaired. I said earlier today, I think in a post or whatever, when I was, you know, um, oh, when my good trainer uh, posted um, my before and afters from like the, from like the last two months of, of, of of training, right? Uh -huh. And I said, there was a situation where I couldn't do leg lifts, right? Because when I was going through the process of trying to um, find out, when I was going through the process of trying to find out if, um, if I could have children, I had to get a um, myomectomy, right? So they had to remove all these little fibroids and stuff, right? So, you know, when they do that, they, they do that incision. So they cut you down, you know, right there. Mm -hmm. So when I was trying to do the leg lifts, it hurt. Like it was literally a sharp pain that was, it was, it was almost unbearable to be honest. Like I didn't tell him, but I was almost like in tears because it, wow. it was, it was sharp. And he was like, and I guess he must have saw my face. He was like, what's wrong? I was like, it hurts. He was like, well, what hurts? I was like, it's my lower abdomen. It hurts. And um, so I had ankle weights on. He was like, well, just take the weights off. I was like, okay. And it felt a little better, but it still hurt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. So the next training session comes, we got to do leg lifts. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do these leg lifts, you know, because it hurts, right? Right. And so I told him, I was like, you know, I think it's from when I had the myomectomy and they had to remove the fibroids or whatever. It's hurting. I said, you know, 
if you don't work it out, that muscle doesn't, you know, connect back. I was like, so I think that's the problem because it hurts or whatever. He was like, all right, just don't use the weights. Keep doing the leg lifts. Okay, that good third day leg lift came and that champagne hit. And I sat there. I was like, you know, and I sat, I sat there for a second. I just prayed. I said, Lord, I cannot keep remembering this pain. So right. I'm gonna need you to take this away. Wow. I can't keep remembering this pain because every time this pain happens, I remember the loss I suffered. And I don't want to remember this. And I promise you, in that instant, I went to lift my leg and it was no more pain. Mm. Because I was dead serious on I don't want to remember that pain. I don't want to remember how that felt. I, I don't I can remember it, but I don't want to feel that. That I don't want to do. And in that instant, like I mean, shoot, like even we was doing leg lifts or whatever today, and I was just like, bang, get it. I wasn't happy about it though. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't happy about them leg lifts and all that other foolery that we had going on, but but I could do it. You right. know what I'm saying? Like I could do it. And I bless God for removing that the reminder of that pain so that I wouldn't physically have to feel it. You know, yeah. and that truly is my prayer for you. Right. Wow. That the Lord will remove the like the, the actual feeling of the pain. We're always going to remember because it's something that never it never fully goes away, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it just doesn't like. Every time a Mother's Day comes around, I just, I remember I was so excited. Like, I'm going to be a mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember it. I literally have the sonogram picture sitting right here. Nobody really knows that they're in, they're in like this little dish that I keep on my dining room table or whatever. But I keep them in there because I'm like, it's just something that's close to my heart. Because, right. you know, I just find I was, you know, you you were almost a mommy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that, that was my baby. That it was in me. I felt mm -hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? It was growing. You know, I heard the heartbeat. I did all that stuff, you know, but I don't associate it with pain anymore. I had to learn how not to associate that with pain. I even had to learn how not to, you know, associate church with pain. Right. Right. I had to learn how to disassociate church with pain. I had to learn how not to associate leadership with pain. Mm -hmm. Because to me, all I ever experienced was leadership and pain. I never experienced real good, wholesome, you know, leadership that don't hurt you, that won't harm you, right. that doesn't, that won't, you know, talk about you behind your back or twist your words behind your back or, you know, do stuff, you know, just do do crazy things to you. I had to learn, and like, and this literally is all my the journey that I had to go on through healing: how to disassociate and then reassociate with what's good. Right. You know what I'm saying? And okay. that's how that journey looked, you know, for me. And our journeys definitely are not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? Because we all we all heal it. And that's one of the things that I find that sometimes in church, we like to place people in a cookie cutter box and just right. be like, you know what? This at, at this phase, this is where you should be, and at this phase, no. this is where you should be, and at this phase, you know, so you got step one, like we in a no. like we in a twelve step program. No, I'm at one, and I'm gonna be at one for five years, and there's nothing wrong with me at one. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Let me graduate when the Lord says it's time for me to graduate. I gotta process through some things. I might have more right. things to do at step one than you did. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I, I truth, truthfully. I told you when I when I read when I read the book Touch 
for survivors of sexual assault like me have been hurt by church folk. I promise you, I definitely, I wasn't triggered, right? But it made me remember some things that I had even just packed away. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, not that I ever forgot about the sexual assault because when I remember it, I remember it, but I never processed through it in the realm of what took place in the church thereafter, right? Yeah. I was called the devil. I was called the witch. And I'm like, what the? I ain't do this nigga. What? Mm -hmm. I'm the mm -hmm. what? And he, oh, okay. Okay. No problem. And, you know, as I was reading through and I was like, <laughs> there's power there's authority here there's hope, there's healing restoration, redemption all of that written thank you these words, all of the words all of the truth all of the information to caregivers, all of the information given back to even people that have experienced, you know sexual assault, sexual trauma um, it's empowering you know, because sometimes you can draw on the strength of a person's words that they write in a book in order to tell their truth. And that's what you did here in Touched. And I just, I really want to commend you for that, for actually telling the truth. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I know I keep using the word story, but you told the truth. Yeah, I told my truth. And actually what... I, I've come to think about the chapters of those books or of that book, the chapters in the book as my personal conversations with God, because that's, that's literally what they were, you know, getting it all out. I mean, it is definitely not a book that is all inclusive of everything that anyone can happen, because again, it is just my story and the, my way of trying to um, not make sense of it but get through it and become closer, become closer with God and bridge my relationship back with God after it was severed. And that's where you are. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, we all go through that, that bridge moment, but the, the, that's one of the best things that I, I learned about God is that when you're ready, he's there. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And I had to take that time and you had to take that time. Mm -hmm. You were never far from God as much as people like to tell you, oh, you moved away from God. No, you didn't. I needed time. I still loved him. But right. I, I, I needed to understand some things. And until I was able, you know, we're analytical people. So until we're able to understand it, I, I, mm -mm, I want no parts. So I, I need to process through and, and help this make sense to me before I can then now and thrust myself back into this whole realm. And that, that, that was one of the things that, you know, I, I had to learn. And uh, a lot of people have to learn that, you know. Um, and not, not to feel common. bad how long yeah. it takes. Listen, take your time. Oh, you behind schedule. No, I'm not. I'm right on time. No, I'm not. You know, and, and that's what you feel. 
and process through it and walk your own mm -hmm. steps, you know? That's right. That's what I think. Um, I think um, Apostle Matthew Stevenson, he was, he, was, he was preaching on Sunday and he was talking about that time. You know what I'm saying? Stop putting time on. Oh, you think that you should have did this by this time. You think you should have did that by that time. People want to place a time on everybody. There is no time on some things. You know what I'm saying? Outside of what's on that clock right there. That clock tells me what time it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. But just because it's 8.38 p.m. does not mean that there's something that I should have done at 8.35. Uh-huh. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? And a lot of times that we, we place... I never forget, you know, growing up when I was younger, I'm like, oh, you know, by the time I'm this, I'm going to do this. And by the time I'm that, I'm going to do that. And then by the time this, and I'm being it. And ain't nothing happened in none of those times. So you got to <laughs> learn how not to place timing on things. You know what I'm saying? There's, it's good to have expectations. It's good to set to set a goal. It's good, it's good to do all of that. But when you start placing time limits on your own life, and then you and then when you when you don't reach those limits, you feel inadequate. Right. Like I used to feel inadequate because I was not a mother, a biological mother. I used to feel so inadequate. Like you're just you're not a woman. If you're not, a, you, don't, you don't have a child. You're not a woman. You don't have any children, you know, and I had to learn how. And then, you know, you got all the prophets coming. You're going to have a son. No, no. I see you with the daughter. And I'm like, well, when is this son and daughter whoever come in? Cause y'all keep seeing it, but it ain't happening. Is it biological? Am I doc? What am I do? <laughs> yeah. I see you with a mini you. Well, is it many me or what? Or is it many like M A N Y? Many me. Which which one is it? I'm just saying. <laughs> and then could you know? Cause then you'll be sitting there looking at the time. Hello, what this line? That Lord, you right. said by December thirty first. This ain't happening. Okay, mm -hmm. we over here bound up waiting for time to happen. Time was not happening. It still ain't happening, but it's all right. I see your husband. Well, where is he? You seeing him. They be seeing the folks. That's why I ended up with the little <laughs> something or other. Folk was seeing them. That's your husband. That's your husband. How the hell he my husband? He got a wife already. Ain't even one tell nobody. Didn't marry the fourth one while he was still married to yet all of us. How you? Oh, wow. Girl, bye. She still thinks she's the only wife, but I'm like, ma'am, your marriage is not legal, honey. He was married to me in Jersey. He was married to the other one up there in that other state. I don't know where y'all got married at, but ma'am, you're not legal until he, well, I know of mine, so, but he still got that good second one. So until uh, she still ain't legal, but whatever. The folk believe what they want to believe. You hear me? Uh huh. You 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 let hell stay in hell. I'm over here in holiness. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, though. No. Okay, all right, girl. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Mm -mm. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your strength and your resiliency. Thank you for your words. Thank you for this power. This, I, I hope you know that this 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 book is empowering to all of us. It is empowering. And also, I even hope uh, people um, that are the victimizers read this book. 
Yeah. Because I believe that sometimes if you have that third person experience and you begin to put yourself in the shoes of the one whom you have victimized, you as the culprit sometimes can change. Hmm. Because sometimes when you begin to see how you make a person feel, unless you're a narcissist, narcissists don't, you know, sociopath, not they don't work. Okay, they don't count in this. I'm letting y'all know right now, if you're a narcissist, you don't count in this because you're not going to change. <laughs> you believe you don't have any issues, and you believe everybody else is the issue except for you. That's so, real talk, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Sociopath, you too. It's okay. We know y'all need pills, but. <laughs> But the other ones actually have a conscious and can have a conscious thought. Yeah. This is good because it's going to help you to understand how you've made someone feel and then how they have to fight through those feelings every day. This is a daily thing. And it, you know what? And we bless your husband. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, I had him read the chapter that I wrote about him before it went to the presses, you know, just to make sure he was okay with it. And he was, but yeah. That's good. Yeah. We bless him. You know why? You. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a very, it is a very, and not that all y'all great men are not special. I'm not saying that because there are a lot of great men out here and y'all are all special. However, it takes a very loving, caring, gentle man um, that can really and truly love you and sit there with you and, you know, allow you uh, to be vulnerable, right? And, and to process through all of your emotions and how you feel anger, hate, all that stuff and be so, and be understanding and supportive and just be like, okay, what do you need? Yeah. I'd be like, I need a bag. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that um, Louis Vuitton artsy bag would do, but, oh, that wasn't what you were talking about? Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> joking. I'm just joking. No, but it really, you know, retail therapy works. Some of y'all, I'm just saying it works. No, but the way when you when you wrote it and I read it and I was like, I get it. Cause that's that's the epitome of love, right? Yeah. Love is patient, love is kind. You know what I'm saying? Love is hope. Like that's the epit like when you think of love, like now that I am mature enough to understand love is not just some simple a uh, plain old emotion that love actually has to do some things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Love does not just sit and do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Hello. Love is a verb. You know what I'm saying? So there's some things that have to be accompanied with that. Right. Like actions. Um, and to, to, to read, you know, the love, you know what I'm saying? And, and then to, you know, speak to you. And I'm like, yeah. So we bless God for your husband because thank you. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We, 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 we bless the Lord for him. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. Um, y'all really do need to get this book. It is called touched. It is by Chanel T Smith. It is on 
Amazon. I got the Kindle version. That's why y'all keep seeing me point over here because my um, iPad is literally sitting right here. So uh, that's what I'm, I'm pointing to what you can't see and it's fine. But um, it is on um, Amazon. It is on Kindle. It is uh, available even for paperback. Um, I know you said, I mean, the book literally was just released. It was released in March, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I know you haven't really been able to tour or do anything, but honey, this is, we got virtual tours. Okay. Yeah. You're my first one. The first time I'm talking about the book since it's been published. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I just thank God for you. And I thank you for the invitation. And I just, a lot of people who have a platform don't use it for good. And I'm just glad that God gave you the idea and you brought it to fruition to have this type of platform where you're taking the muzzle off, right? To talk about things that people don't want to talk about. And so I'm just grateful for you. And I just pray that God will en- expand your territory and larger ministry and everything. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate you. And I'm listen, I'm telling y'all, I'm going to actually uh, put the book, I'm going to put the link to the book um, in the comments because I really think that um, this book will truly bless everyone who reads it. it. It really will. Some of y'all might feel a little triggered, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's, especially if you have um, felt, if you have gone through any type of uh, sexual assault or sexual abuse. Um, but I also think that um, if you work through it as you're reading it, you, you, will, you will truly begin to understand the empowerment that is coming out of her words to empower you to understand that it is not your fault to empower you to understand that you have a voice and you can use it to empower you to understand that even on the darkest days, there's still bright ones to come. And that, that like, as I was reading, that's what I'm telling you, it just, this entire book, it really blessed me um, to read it, um, to understand it, to fill your heart, to even see things through your eyes, because I think that's important when you're reading, you got to see it through the author's eyes um, as they're, as they're telling their truth. And, um, and, I, and I believe in that. So thank you so much for this book uh, because it it is truly groundbreaking. It, and, it, and it really is because for so long, we just stay silent. And I'm happy that you actually did take the muzzle off your mouth. And you said, you know what? If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it this way. And that's what it is. And we're going to purge it. And I'm going to empower other people. And the way that you wrote this book is so relatable. And it's just, it, it, it's so much, it's, it, it, y'all just go get this book that's on <laughs> Touched by Dr. Chanel T. Smith. I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Um, I truly wish you all success. We, we're going to forever be connected, so that's okay. Um, okay, yes, because Miss, Miss, Miss New Testament doctoral degree. <laughs> That's why I said, I said, oh, the folk really learn about grace with you, huh? They can't come up in here talking about, I got great. No, no, you don't. What you have is (laughs) revelation, okay? Let me help you out real quick so that you will understand what the grace of God really and truly is. Paul said, and then we go there. (laughs) But I love it. I love it. I really do. I love, I love it. And thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you. You're welcome. And all right, guys. So this is a wrap for the Muzzle is Off podcast for tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody for each and every last one of your comments. We did see them. I'm sorry we couldn't really address everything that was said in the comments because we were just really just having a whole y'all y'all just felt one y'all just felt our conversation. That's what y'all y'all was a witness to the good conversation. But I really do hope that the conversation blessed each and every last one of you. Um, I hope that you pulled from this and I truly do hope that you will go out and purchase the book because the book is amazing. And I ain't gonna tell y'all no lie, y'all know this. So um, I truly, I also hope that y'all like my good uh, intro video for the Muzzlers Up. I literally, I that debuted awesome. it today. You like, thank you, I debuted it today. I was like, this is so perfect because you're here and this video is here and it's finished and we're gonna debut it all at the same time. I actually wrote down Summer Morgan. I was like, and her nephew. I was like, I need to contact her about her video because it was beautifully done. Wasn't it like the whole creative genius process? Of the, like if you, we could talk about that video. But yeah, my nephew, um, I didn't even, you know, I got to text him. I didn't even tell him I was debuting it today on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, my nephew, he he is, he really does wonderful things with, with, with music. That That's like, that is, that truly is his thing. And I told, I'm going to tell you what I did. I told him, I was like, Christopher, um, I need a beat for my podcast and you need to send me some. And he sent me like a whole list. And I literally went through all of them and I chose that one beat. And then I asked, um, her name is Belle Johnson. She, um, she's, she's also one of the fearless storytellers. And I asked, I was like, do you think you could sing? Or, and she literally did that probably like in a day. Wow. And, yes. And then Summer Morgan and then Summer actually is um, my friend's sister whom I went to high school with. I went to high school with um, with her brother. And I just I happened to I inbox him. I was like, do you know somebody that could do a video? Blah, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, I know the perfect person. And he didn't even tell me it was his sister. I was like, why didn't you just tell me it was Summer? I remember Summer when we were, <laughs> we were younger. Like, why didn't you just tell me it was Summer? And he was like, I forgot that you met her. But, you know, sometimes people be like, oh, you know, they push their family members and then, then it's trash. And you're like, I'm like, I would have known that Summer wasn't trash because you're awesome. So if you need a photographer, my friend Greg, Greg is a photographer. He is the dopest photographer that I really know. And then his, son, his sister, uh, Summer, yeah, she does these good she is an awesome editor and director, all of that. So she really, oh, yeah. Put that, yeah, she really put that whole thing together. So I, girl, I'll hook you up with everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. Like, we look if you ever come to Jersey, we got a trainer. We listen, listen. I'm a Jersey girl. I don't know if you knew that, but I was. I only came to Connecticut for work, but I've been there all of my education. I went, born and raised in New Jersey. Girl, come on home to Jersey. <laughs> We got, we listen, we, we got big things, you know, and, and I'm going to reach out to you about October because I'm going to tell you about October okay. as well for the good angel babies. Cause I think that that's, that that's going to be a, a good thing. So, mm-hmm. well guys, you know what? The podcast is over y'all. I'm just telling y'all um, <laughs> tune in next week uh, because we actually have a very special treat that is coming next week. And I'm not going to let you guys know what the treat is because you're just going to have to tune in and see and wait for the flyers to come out. But tune in next week, Wednesday. I believe that's the 19th. Yeah, it's the 19th. Tune in next week, Wednesday, the 19th at 7 p.m. Because we will have a special treat for you at the Muzzle is Off podcast. Thank you all for joining, everybody. Have a good night. And I hope you all have a good rest. Bye. <laughs>